and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, and today's episode, episode 29, looks at the January 1st, 1996 editions of Monday Night Raw and WCW's Monday Nitro. That's right, we've officially left 1995 in the dust, the year largely considered the worst in the history of professional wrestling, and we're moving onwards and upwards into 1996. What will the year ahead hold? Well, we'll see the outsiders invade WCW, uh, we'll see one of the most epic heel turns in the history of wrestling, we'll see the origins of the NWO and the transformation of Sting, we'll see the genesis of Austin 316, the loose cannon Brian Pillman, the culmination of a boyhood dream, the debut of The Rock, and of course in Atlanta the 1996 Olympics will produce two future WWE superstars as well. But all of that's still to come. We're hitting here at the ground floor looking at the very start of the year and we're going to have a look at Raw and Nitro and see how the two companies got things started. The ratings battle on the night was actually fairly evenly contested with Raw taking it out 2.6, excuse me, <coughs> to Nitro's 2.5 in a very close battle. Will that be a sign of things to come, or will one company take dominance over the other in the weeks and months ahead? There's only one way to find out, so we're going to head over and have a look. We're going to WCW first to check out what Nitro had on offer, and we'll see which of the two companies takes the lead early on in the new year. WCW opens up with our usual commentary team of Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain, Heenan and Steve Mongo McMichael, who has Peppy on his lap dressed as Uncle Sam this week. We talk about Ric Flair now being the 12-time heavyweight champion in the world, and how he'll be defending the title up against Hulk Hogan in this evening's main event, and how the macho man Randy Savage wants payback on Arn Anderson for costing him that same very belt. Mongo talks about how Flair's going to lose the title for the 12th time, and we go right to the action with Arn Anderson taking on the Macho Man in this year's opening contest. Arn Anderson comes out to a very mixed reaction. Um, the Horsemen are still very over, but Anderson is very much the heel, having cost Savage the title. And then when Savage comes out, we get some weird audio playing up on the, the network feed there, so I'm assuming it was a production gap at the time and not something that's come in since. Arn Anderson goes on the attack early, um, goes right after Macho Man, but Macho Man tosses him out the ring and they begin brawling on the outside. I notice straight away as they're brawling on the outside, but definitely in 1996 because there's a gentleman in the front row wearing a Dennis Rodman Chicago Bulls jersey, which for anyone that follows the NBA will date this very nicely. When they head back inside, Macho Man continues with some punches, an inverted atomic drop, and a pair of top rope axe handles, the second getting a two count. Mongo on commentary is complaining about all the outside interference we've been seeing in WCW lately, so Bobby Heenan suggests to him, why don't you do something about it? Mongo fires back and says, I will do, I'll take you with me, and Heenan says, don't worry, I'll hold your dog, in the first good bout of commentary for the new year. Anderson begins to work over Macho Man's still injured arm, uh, really taking it to the arm nicely here. It's a lovely Hammerlock slam, 
begins to work over the arm in several different ways, some very interesting offense here. And the commentators tell us that in addition to this match and the big main event, we're also going to see Benoit and Regal tonight, which perks my ears straight away because, as you know from watching the network, the Benoit matches aren't signed. So when you're flicking through to see what you've got ahead, it makes no mention of that whatsoever. Arn begins to undo the tape on Macho Man's arm to sell that he's really going to go on the attack and do some injury damage here. And Mongo on commentary um, explains to us all the extent of WCW's ineptitude when he says, we're giving away a pay-per-view main event for free tonight. Yes, Mongo, you are, and that is a big part of why you guys are no longer in business. Eric Bischoff, however, does clear up why they would be doing such a thing when he tells us that's because the C in WCW stands for commitment. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but world commitment wrestling has got a hell of a ring to it. Macho Man does continue to try and fight back against Arn Anderson as the match rolls on, but every time he does, Arn goes back to the arm, and Macho, as you all know, sells beautifully. He really is great at that. Uh, Macho Man ducks a punch in an awesome Arn Anderson spot while he's down ducking. He nails him with a DDT for a two count. It's really one of my favourite uh, spots in wrestling, that when Arn sells the punch and the, the opponent ducks and gets caught with a DDT. We get a ref bump here as Macho Man gets Arn Anderson's foreign object off him, um, nails him with it, and it revives the ref pretty much immediately for the 1, 2, and the 3. Benoit and Pillman run out to protest and attack the Macho Man, but Macho Man ducks out and avoids them, and that was a really good opening contest, sending us to a commercial break to set the tone for the rest of the show. When we come back from the commercial break, it's time for our next matchup, which the aforementioned William Regal, Steve Regal as he was known here in WCW, up against Chris Benoit, and Eric Bischoff on commentary does something I consider... Um, I consider a little bit rude, considering what I've got to do on the, on the shows here tonight. I went with Nitro first, and I regretted it immediately here, because Bischoff says, forget about that raw bold nonsense, the smoking guns win it anyway. Fuck you, Eric, I haven't watched it yet, and I was genuinely excited for that show. Benoit and Regal start to jockey for position early in the match here, and they start headbutting the shit out of each other. It is really cool. Uh, we spot Hank Aaron in the crowd and his name drop on commentary, so that's pretty cool as well. And Regal and Benoit go to the chops and the strikes, really stiffly hitting each other here, which is kind of cool. Regal hits a nice drop toe hold on Benoit and begins punching him while he's down, then goes for the Regal stretch, which is also cool. It's not named that at this time, but it's good to see that one of his, his big moves from later on is still being used here early. Benoit fires back and hits a really big German suplex before Regal comes back with a suplex of his own, hitting a nice butterfly for a two count. He goes to put on a camel clutch, but Benoit brings him up in the electric chair drop, goes up to the top but misses his diving headbutt, and then Benoit reverses a tombstone from Regal into a tombstone of his own, misses a plancher on the outside, and hits the floor in a really nasty looking spot. And then, quite abruptly, Regal gets him off the floor, rolls him in, and pins him for the 1-2-3 in a very strange end. It came very suddenly and interrupted what was beginning to be a nice little match there, so bit disappointing they finished it here, but hopefully we'll get a rematch of this somewhere down the line. And also another bit of a weird part of the ending here, Regal just goes to the camera and starts burying the four horsemen, talking about how they're rubbish and they can't compare to him. So some heel-on-heels uh, feud work going on here into the camera, which is a little bit odd as well. And what happens next is also a little bit surprising to me. We get Brian Pillman coming out, and he gets on the microphone and chews out Arn and Benoit for letting the horsemen down as they've both lost the match. Uh, as they're arguing, the giant comes out to stop Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan running in to attack them. Uh, not sure what Hart and Sullivan were going to do there. And we also get a strange line, which didn't quite twig for me straight away, 
But in listening to one of Bruce Bridget's podcasts earlier this week, I, I realised what had actually been said. Pillman basically said to Benoit that you're not living up to expectations in the ring, despite what you can do with naked women in the limo. And apparently this was right around the time that Benoit and Nancy Sullivan were having an affair that would see her leave Kevin Sullivan to join up with Chris Benoit. Um, so interesting that Pillman's loose cannon stuff is really sort of letting loose all over the shows here. And if you blink, you'll miss some of it as well. So there's that coming up too. We go to our next commercial break, and when we come back, it is time for the team of Sting and Lex Luger to go up against the Super Assassins. For those of you not in the know, the Super Assassins are actually a masked version of the Powers of Pain, the Warlord and the Barbarian, though not uh, named as such on WCW TV. They were a very short-lived team. I believe they only had two televised matches, but that's who they're facing uh, here tonight, Sting and Lex, and they're just known as the Super Assassins, big two, two big, beefy, bulky dudes in masks managed by Colonel Robert Parker as I struggle to get my words out there. Um, before the match can really get underway, uh, we go to split screen and we get another episode of Sergeant Craig the Pitbull Pitman coming out trying to recruit a manager. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Excuse, excuse us. Wait a minute, we got to find a microphone for the... Is there something you need here? Can we, can we get a microphone up here? Please. There you go. What? What do we got going here, Excuse my friend? Excuse me for interrupting. I'd like to talk to this man here, Mr. Steve McMichaels. I have a plight, and I know you'd understand it. I have make, been making the transition from amateur to pro. I was a five-time world champion as an amateur, and now I'm in the pros. And I need guidance, and I know you've had similar experiences in the gridiron. And I must say, you were one of the best. And I'd like to ask you to guide me along, the pitbull, in this point, and be my manager. Pitbull, baby, I, I got my hands full just doing this job here. But let me give you a little advice, baby. You were in the car. You were a sergeant, for God's sake. You know, you're a leader of men. Just go with that. I've seen you wrestle out here. You've got it going on. Just systematically, just like they taught you in the court, systematically take these guys out one at a time. You'll work your way to the top, baby. You don't need anybody else. Well, I'm sorry. One more Roger time. Roger that. The pitfall coming out here, and I apologize for the interruption. So at this stage on the show, I'm starting to feel a little bit sorry for the pitfall as he's rejected once again. I'm not particularly fond of him as a character or a wrestler or a promo, but being rejected week after week after week by everybody does make me feel a little bit sad on his behalf. The match gets underway in split screen while we are listening to the promo that I played for you guys then, um, and it starts in your typical babyface versus heel fair with Sting playing the face in peril as the assassins take turns beating him down. They tag in and out a few times, uh, hitting some power moves and putting him in some submissions briefly uh, before coming in and hitting a nice double shoulder block on Sting. On Lex, sorry, on Sting, sorry, I apologise. Got it right the third time there, and that brings him a two count. Referee typically misses in the first tag to Lex, and Sting has to go in for a little bit more punishment, including a nice-looking powerbomb by the assassin that I believe to be the Barbarian. The reason why I believe it to be the Barbarian is because after the powerbomb, he goes up to the top rope and attempts a diving headbutt, which he misses. I don't recall seeing the Warlord attempt that too many times in his career. The miss, however, does allow Sting to make the hot tag, bringing in Lex Luger, 
and then he comes in, sends the assassins into each other, and quite quickly puts one of them up in the torture rack. It's a little bit of a sloppy, awkward ending, because he puts one of them in the torture rack and right in the heel corner, and the other one goes to get in the ring, but realises he's going to be stood right next to them, and holds off and waits a moment. Then as Lex walks away from him, he comes in the ring, allowing himself to also be put in the Scorpion Deathlock by Sting, and both the heels give up simultaneously, allowing the super best friends, Sting and Lex Luger, to pick up the win. We then go to Gene Oakland, who is, in his words, with the son of Andre the Giant, the Giant, and Jimmy Hart. He takes his usual smarmy comments at the Giant and Jimmy Hart a little bit too far, and Jimmy Hart finally gets pissed off and fires back and says to Gene, are you that short or are you stood in a hole? Well done, Jimmy, for sticking up to you, for yourself. This bullying from Gene Oakland has got to stop at some point. The promo from Giant's a little bit raspy and aimed in the direction of Hulk Hogan. There's not much going on here. It's still very early in his promo days, so still not great. We go to a commercial break, and the best part of that is the Slim Jim commercial with the Macho Man Randy Savage, and an ad for the upcoming Clash of the Champions, which will be WCW's big show for the month of January, because they don't actually have a pay-per-view, and that will be the one that goes head-to-head with this month's Royal Rumble. From here, it's time for our main event, which will be Ric Flair defending his World Heavyweight Champion up against Hulk Hogan. Hulk gets a pretty decent pop here, which is something I'm not used to in this WCW period here, because he's been getting a lot of boos from the crowd, and Flair's been really over everywhere he's gone. And the Hulkster does appear to be in really good sort of lean but toned shape here. He's not as big as he used to be, but he's not got that sort of scrawny, gaunt look about him now either. Hogan opens up with a few shoulder blocks. Uh, he hits Flair with one. Flair hits him and goes down himself. Before Flair goes to some punches and chops, which Hogan, of course, no-sells. Ric Flair hits a bit of a strange arm drag, sort of falling back straight on his ass and pulling Hogan over afterwards. Hogan no-sells some more strikes, sending Ric Flair up the top in frustration, but Hogan grabs a hold of him and press slams him off, as you would expect. Hogan then hits a nice clothesline on Flair, and a second clothesline sending him over the top rope to the outside. No disqualification this week if you're keeping score. They begin brawling along the outside, and my eye is caught by a police officer in the front row, really being a bit overly harsh on the fans standing up cheering while the guys are wrestling right on the barricade in front of them. He pretty much wants them to take three big steps back, which if you're going to wrestle in my lap, I'm going to stand there and soak it up. So he's up there, please, officer. When we get back in the ring, Ric Flair hits a nice chop block and then a figure four leg lock, as he usually does. Hulk Hogan, of course, powers out, and then Jimmy Hart comes out to distract the Hulkster. This allows Ric Flair to get back on the offense and hit a really nice delayed vertical suplex uh, on someone Hogan's size. That's a very impressive spot by Flair. However, Hogan does his typical, I've taken a big move or a finisher sell, and that means not selling at all and popping straight back up and shaking his head like that didn't bother me. So, well done Hulk for taking the most impressive spot of the match and making it meaningless. Hulk then begins to hulk up, and he overdoes the shaking and the walking around and the histrionics because the crowd really don't cheer it, and they don't sing along with the punches like you would hear in this day and age or earlier days, but they do get a little bit of a pop for the big boot and the leg drop. Jimmy Hart gets up on the apron, though, before the Hulkster can make the pin. He distracts the referee, and this allows Arn Anderson to come in and nail Hogan with some brass knucks. Hogan, however, takes the next most uh, impressive spot of the match, and decides to also no-sell that one, making himself out to be a complete nutter twat in my eyes. The referee calls for a disqualification, Pillman and Benoit come out, and Hogan gets the upper hand on all four of them, and all four horsemen drop to their knees and beg off for Hulk Hogan. And this is just making my blood boil at this point. I fucking hate Hulk Hogan as a babyface. He's just an utter prick and doesn't help anyone at all. 
if you haven't guessed it, my hatred for Hulk is taking it so far that this is definitely going to take my dick move of the week. It's even worse than Bischoff ruining the Raw Bowl result for me in my eyes. Hogan, while he's backing down the cowering four horsemen, doesn't see the giant come from behind with a bar stool ready to clock him, but Macho Man sprints out, takes a stool off him, and makes a save. The heels get out of dodge, and Gene Oakland comes in to interview the Mega Powers, who basically say they're after the Dungeon of Doom, they're after the Four Horsemen, and they're going to take care of everybody. We're told that next week we'll see Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man take on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson before heading back up to the commentary team who slag off Monday Night Raw for a while before sending us to credits to wrap up the first episode of Nitro for the new year. That'll do it for WCW. Let's head over to the WWF side of things and see if the Raw Bowl can compete with the big money matches WCW just put on for us. but I was super excited coming into this show because I figured there is absolutely no way Vince McMahon wrestling and a cross-promotion with American football could ever fail. This is going to be amazing. They run down all the people that are going to be involved in tonight's proceedings and Vince can't help but take a shot at JR, referring to him as Jumbo Jim as we flash and see him backstage in the locker room. And then as they're running through the names involved, I go to holy shit moment and I have to rewind it back and make sure I heard right because they also name drop the Nacho Man, the Huckster, Scheme Gene and Billionaire Ted. So this is starting right away to open us up in 1996. When we open up, Vince and Jerry Lawler, as usual, are our commentary team. Jerry the King Lawler is in a Cleveland Browns jersey, so if you don't know, he's a big fan of the Cleveland sports teams. We've got cheerleaders. We've got a band at, uh, in the aisleway, and the ring has got sort of an NFL-themed canvas to it with a big Raw logo and then, like, five, ten-yard markings across the ring as well, so that looks pretty cool. And our opening contest is the inaugural Raw Bowl, featuring the Smoking Guns up against the one 2 3 Kid and Psycho Sid, up against Yokozuna and Owen Hart, up against Razor Ramon and Savio Vega in a four-corners tag match with some unusual rules. Those rules include one timeout to be allocated to each team. If a team member is eliminated, the whole team is eliminated. You can tag in anyone at any time, and when two people are tagged in, they must make physical contact before either of them can tag out. We start the entrances and the smoking guns come out wearing tops with the numbers 38 and 45 because, you know, they're gun numbers. Owen Hart comes out wearing number one, I can assume, to be the number one Hart. And Yoko Zuna comes out with the number 641, so I'm assuming you can all figure out what that one's for. We get an inset, not a promo, but just a look at Brother Love pacing and talking to himself backstage, which is a little bit weird. And as Razor and Savio make their entrances and Usher gives Razor a bouquet of roses, which he basically twats the usher with and throws him to the floor. As all these entrances are taking place, Lawler and Vince do my bloody head in on commentary, just making as many American football puns as you can possibly think of. I mean, it's literally all they say for about 
12, 15 straight sentences. They both just continue making puns that don't even really flow on with what the other one's saying. The match gets started with Owen and Bart Gunn in the ring. Bart hits a nice drop kick, a couple of arm drags before Owen tags in Billy. Uh, the rules of the match state they have to have physical contact, so they do a little bit of chain wrestling without really taking a shot at each other, and then they both tag Owen and Yoko in simultaneously. Owen and Yoko act like they're going to wrestle, and Owen actually does run into a Yoko shoulder block and hits the floor before tagging in Savio Vega. Yoko nails him with a slam before tagging in the kid, and the NFL oh, football puns are driving me crazy. I seriously am at this point thinking about turning it off. Savio hits a couple of clotheslines for a two count, a big spin kick, but the 1-2-3 kid makes the save. Owen Hart comes in the ring at one point and hits one of the smoking guns with a spinning heel kick for a two count. Razor Ramones in with Bart Gunn and Razor shoulders. Savio Vega comes in. Sid comes in and hits Bart with a clothesline for a two count. We get a delayed vertical suplex by Billy on Sid, which is really cool for a two count. Savio Vega comes in. Owen Hart comes in and nails in with an Enziguri for a two count. And we go to our first commercial break. So there's a lot of tags in and out and a lot of moves. It's hard to keep up with this because there's four teams all getting in there at different points pretty quickly. When we come back, Sid and the kid have taken over on Savio Vega before Razor comes in and makes a save. He hits the SOS on the kid. The kid calls a timeout, but Razor basically hits him with a razor's edge anyway. Ted DiBiase gets on the apron. Earl Hebner throws a yellow flag on Ted DiBiase, which is an NFL thing. Uh, it means there's been a, a foul on the play, basically. Uh, apologies to my American listeners. I'm not huge on the game. I do like it, but I don't know the intricacies of the rules. Um, Sid nails the Razor Ramon, and the kid pins him after this, so I don't know what's going on there, because they ignored the timeout, threw a flag on the heels, but then still let the heels get the pin, so this was a bit of a clusterfuck, but the long and the short of it is Razor and Savio are out of the match. We next get Owen Hart in with Bart Gunn, a nice suplex for a two count, Bart hits a schoolboy for a two count, Owen Hart comes back with a slam but misses a splash off the top off the top rope. Billy comes in and takes on everyone else, nailing Jim Cornette. Uh, the kid kicks him in the back of the head from the apron. Owen Hart hits a nice neck breaker, tags in Yoko to go for the bonsai. But Bart Gunn comes in, pulls Billy out, and Owen, who was holding him, ends up underneath Yoko's Una and squashed, and the guns pin Owen Hart for the 1-2-3. Yoko and Owen Hart are out. Yoko's Una was on the outside trying to call a timeout as the pin went down, but again, that one was ignored, and the heels are eliminated. We come down to our last two teams, which is Sid and the Kid up against the guns, and Sid takes over on Billy Gunn. While Vince tells us on commentary, there's a huge entrance to the 1996 Royal Rumble to be named tonight. The kid comes in and hits a nice corner drop kick, tagging Sid back in for a clothesline, which Billy Gunn sells with his typical flip, which is really cool, and then Sid puts on a chin lock. When they come out of that, he hits a nice looking big boot and a leg drop for a two count, so Hogan's finish is ineffective against the smoking guns. Billy comes back with a small package for a two count, and then we get a really cool one arm choke slam by Sid. Kid goes up top, but Butt is distracted with the referee. Razor Ramon comes back out, pushes the kid into Psycho Sid, allowing Bill, Billy Gunn to pick up the pin for the 1-2-3, and the Smoking Guns win the highly prestigious inaugural Raw Bowl. So that was a pretty huge match that took up probably about half the show, so apologies for the lengthy rundown of moves and things there, but that's basically what's been happening over here on Raw. Coming out of that match, we're told that we'll get a Shawn Michaels press conference next week. Lawler hints that it's to announce his retirement, but Vince doesn't think it will be. And then we go back to Doc Hendricks for a Raw Bowl halftime report, and the puns keep coming thick and fast. 
Uh, we talk about Diesel and Mabel, and then Doc throws to Jumbo Jim, so they can't help but getting another one in. He's at Diesel's door, but we don't see Diesel, and he tells us that the message relayed was that he was going to kick the king's can, so some pretty cheesy stuff going on here. Uh, the R Royal Rumble report is what's coming out of this halftime report here with Doc. He talks up Bret Hart versus The Undertaker, Jeff Jarrett against Ahmed Johnson, and he does look a little bit in his suit behind the news desk like a sort of a pound store Ron Burgundy. Vince McMahon recaps the hog pen match, and at this point I noticed that it's actually not a recap he's going into, but we're going to get a replay of the whole fucking match. So if you want to know what happened there, listen to the last episode where I gave a recap of what happened in that match. How they could just put it on Raw in its entirety the next night is beyond me. It wasn't that good, and it's just very lazy programming, so a big letdown here for me. Uh, this was a show I was most looking forward to, and the first match went way too long and was confusing, and the second match is one I've already seen on the night before's pay-per-view. Coming out of this as well, they tell us that next week we'll get a replay of the Bret Hart British Bulldog match from the night before's pay-per-view, and that was half an hour, so that's going to be half a raw next week. Uh, don't know what they were thinking here, but it's not what I want to see. We are told, though, that we'll see Hakushi up against Jeff Jarrett next week, and that's something I'm mildly looking forward to. From there we go to our next big contest, which is Mabel up against Big Daddy called Diesel. And we keep seeing Brother Love backstage, but we don't actually hear what it's all about. We don't know what he's rambling about. Um, Diesel's coming out, and as usual in this sort of period, he's only slapping the hands of people wearing black gloves. Still not sure if he's a heel or a face. He was definitely heel on the last episode, face on the one before. He's facing a heel here tonight, so I'm guessing he's face again. Jerry Lawler on commentary also is flirting with some what they were calling, I think it's like a prom queen. I, I didn't catch what it was at the start of the show. It's a girl in a dress and a sash, and she looks young enough to be of interest to Jerry Lawler, so that's what's going on there. Diesel comes in, enters the ring, nails Mabel with a big boot, and pins him for the one, two, three. Yes, just that quick. Mabel's push appears to be dead in the water, which is not the worst thing in the world. Mo comes into the ring, Diesel grabs him and hits a jackknife because obviously he couldn't do it on Mabel, and I'm assuming that's the end of the push for men on a mission as a whole. Vince tells us Diesel will be the first man to be entered into the Royal Rumble. I'm hoping that's not the shock announcement because that will be a bit of a letdown again. We scan the crowd and we see a well, the camera scans the crowd, and as we're watching, we see a woman in a black glove and she appears to have no front teeth, so I'm not sure that's a, the crowd Diesel was aiming towards here. Diesel goes to ringside and basically steals the girl that's been sat with Jerry Lawler all night. So undoing all his hard work and moving in for the kill himself. That's very smooth. We go backstage where Brooklyn Brawler awards the very prestigious Lombardi Trophy to the Smoking Guns. The Lombardi Trophy is what the NFL Super Bowl Trophy is known as. However, this is a bit of a pun here because of Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi. Uh, it's basically a trophy with a big picture of his face over it. The smoking guns throw it to the floor, knock him to the ground, and in a blatant example of product placement, tip Lipton iced tea all over him. We then get a little bit of a rundown from the commentators about who's going to be in the Rumble. We're told that we'll see Diesel, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Dory Funk, Savio Vega, Tatanka, Mabel, Bam Bam Bigelow, Barry Horowitz and Yoko Zuna. And then in a very cool spot that really redeems some of this show, we're told the huge announcement is actually going to be the debut of Vader. So that was very cool. We get a little bit of a video of Vader working out. It's mostly just grunts of him in the gym in his mask, so I won't splice it in because audio format's not going to sound too interesting. But trust me, it got me popping in my living room.
final action for this week's show, and that is Vince to debut Billionaire Ted's Wrestling War Room. Here's Billionaire Ted's Wrestling War Room. All right, listen, man, we, we need more action from our stars. I, I, I want them to pull out all the stops. Okay, boss, we have some suggestions. As you can see, this first maneuver is extremely impressive. Think you could pull it off, stuff? No way, brother. Okay, that's a tough one. Nacho, how about this maneuver? No way, never! What about the jackknife? Ain't done it in my entire career, and I ain't about to try it now! How about climbing the ropes and performing some aerial tactics? Brother, at my age, my feet don't leave the ground. Well, well, well tell us, uh, what can you boys do? You can't teach old dogs new tricks. The new WWF generation on top of the hill, not over it. There you have it, the bombshells keep on coming early on in 1996 and the WWF starting to fire back with the billionaire its head skits with the Nacho Man and Huckster scheme jeans in there as well. And for the eagle eye, a very young looking Vince Russo is playing one of the suits in these skits. That'll do it for this week's episode, so it's time now to head over and determine ourselves a winner for the first show of 1996. We open up first of all looking at the crowd heat for the two shows, and I'm going to go with WCW on this one, on the simple fact that all of WCW's crowd and responses were live. Now, Raw is normally taped, so I'm not talking about that, but the fact that they put a match from the pay-per-view in the middle of the show means we got to hear less of the crowd, and of course, WCW got some good pops, other than the little sound glitch when Macho Man was coming out. Hogan, Anderson, Flair, the Horsemen all got some really good reactions and some big crowd noise generated, and the Flair-Hogan match had the crowd going wild at certain points as well. From there we go to storylines, and I'm going to go with WCW again for this one. The Raw Bowl was very much a one-off isolated event. It didn't really make much sense, and whilst the teams in there were somewhat feuding, it didn't really advance them in any way. It was more of a comedy match, if nothing else, and it went on for far too long. WCW continued the Sting and Lex Luger storyline. The Dungeon of Doom against Omega Powers is opening up, and the Four Horsemen then getting involved. Now... Those of you that know what's to come in the months ahead, that storyline might not go anywhere, but at least it's opening up and beginning to form here. For characters, we're going to go with WCW again. For the sheer fact that they had most of their stars on the show, whereas here on Raw, we were missing Davey Boy Smith and Bret Hart, who had been in the previous night's main event. We were missing The Undertaker. We are missing Shawn Michaels. Um, there's just a whole host of names not appearing on the show here. Production value, we're going to go to WCW again, and primarily again this one is because the show was all live. The WWF, the Raw Bowl, was made out to be a big deal, but they didn't really do a good job with it. The band and the cheerleaders and everything never came into play. Um, the camera action and the commentary exposed some of the weaknesses of the match, and then flicking to a match from the previous night's pay-per-view also hurt the production in my eyes. Match quality, we're again going to go to WCW, meaning this is the first episode of the year and the first clean sweep of the year, because we have Regal and Benoit, Flair and Hogan, Anderson and Macho Man really facing off against a lackluster Raw Bowl and a three-second squash of Mabel by Diesel. 
So that's the winner for tonight. It's going to be WCW hands down. And despite Vince coming back with some pot shots to fire back at some of the cheap underhanded tactics of Bischoff, he let his guard down where it really mattered most in the wrestling. That's it for episode 29. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've all been enjoying some of the shows with some guest spots recently. There's a lot more of that to come in the months ahead. Um, finding it hard not to say in the new year. It's not actually really a new year for us anymore. We're into February now. Um, as always, you can catch us on Twitter, catch us on Facebook, and you can check us out on 4CR as well where you'll find some other shows. Um, do feel free to also check out this week's episode of the New Era podcast because as I did last month, I'll be appearing on there with a rundown of the worst match of this past week's Royal Rumble. So definitely worth a listen. Uh, it's interesting to hear me get a little bit of a rant going on current state of affairs in the WWE. So please do check those guys out. It's also a very good show as well. So you'll enjoy it. As always as well, I'll ask that if you are listening to the show and enjoying it, you do leave us a five-star review on iTunes. January just marked the highest month of plays in the history of the show, and a lot of the older shows have been downloaded and listened to for either the first time or again by a lot of listeners. So if you're out there and you're liking what you hear, please do leave us a review and help us spread the word a little bit far and wider. Uh, the show is about six months old now. It's still reasonably in its infancy, so we are still trying to grow the audience and find out where it's going to head in the months and years to come. That'll do it for today. You'll hear me again back soon with some more Raw and Nitro. There's a couple of flashback episodes to come and a couple of movie episodes to come in the near future as well. So stay tuned for all of that. And I'll speak to you all again very soon. Thank you. The hall, come up in the places, dollar signs in your eyes and a smile in your face. You wanna live back off of my sack. You got more drag than the low, low, low. Cut the act. Cause back before 92 and 93, you didn't give a damn about war and G. But now that I'm slanging platinum LPs, all of a sudden you want my NUTs. Ain't nothing you could do to make it stop. Cause money makes the world go round. And a panties drop, I ain't in love though. I don't need the pressure. I just wanna dig it like I'm digging for treasure. Some of y'all had a good thing that you couldn't keep. Thought you was TLC, you had to creep. You say you had love, I said you bullshit. It's all about the ghost, so what's love got to do with it?
scooped up deals under the tables You think that you smart, but fool I'm the smartest You can't make no money if you can't keep an artist Sign a dotted line, put them on the shelf Break them off some crumbs, keep the rest for yourself I know how it goes, treat an artist like a hoe Fly cars, gold clothes, but no dope Since it's all business, I'ma handle mine Keep track of my stack down to the very last dime Cause in this rap game, it's all about the buck You been over for the label and you will get fucked Like how you run up in a trick and then you through The record label do the same shit to you 90% business, 10% show Ain't no love in this game, cause it's all about the dope Love if you don't respect the game